Runo 19 of Kalevala, The Land of the Heroes, by Elias Lunrope, translated by William Forsell Kirby, 1844-1912. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Runo 19. The Exploits and Betrothal of Ilmarinen. Argument. Ilmarinen arrives at the homestead of Pojala, woos the daughter of the house, and perilous tasks are assigned to him. Aided by the advice of the maiden of Poya, he succeeds in performing the task successfully. Firstly, he ploughs a field of serpents. Secondly, he captures the bear of Tuoni and the wolf of Manala. And thirdly, he captures a large and terrible pike in the river of Tuonela. The mistress of Poyala promises and betroths her daughter to Ilmarinen. Vainamoinen returns from Poyala in low spirits and warns everyone against going wooing in company with a younger man. Then the smith, Ein Ilmarinen, he the great primeval craftsman, came himself into the chamber, and beneath the roof he hastened, brought the maid of mead a beaker, placed a can of drink of honey in the hands of Ilmarinen, and the smith spoke out as follows, Never while my life is left me Long as shines the golden moonlight, will I taste the drink before me, till my own is granted to me, she for whom so long I waited, she for whom so long I pined for. Then said Poyola's old mistress, in the very words which follow, Trouble great befalls the suitor, comes to her for whom he waiteth, one shoe still remains unfitted, and unfitted is the other. But the bride is waiting for you, and you may indeed receive her, if you plough the field of vipers where the writhing snakes are swarming, but without a plough employing and without a ploughshare guiding. Once the field was ploughed by Hisi, Lempo seamed it next with furrows, with the ploughshare formed of copper, with the plough and furnace smelted. But my own son, most unhappy, left the half untilled behind him. Then the smith e'en Ilmarinen sought the maiden in her chamber, and he spoke the words which follow, Night's own daughter, twilight maiden, do you not the time remember when I forged the sampo for you, and the brilliant cover welded, and a binding oath thou swearest, by the God whom all men worship, for the face of him almighty, and you gave a certain promise unto me, the mighty hero, you would be my friend forever, dove-like, in my arms to nestle? nothing will your mother grant me nor will she her daughter give me till i plough the field of vipers where the writhing snakes are swarming then his bride assistance lent him and advice the maiden gave him o thou smith o ilmarinen thou the great primeval craftsman forge thyself a plough all golden cunningly bedecked with silver then go plough the field of serpents where the writhing snakes are swarming then the smith, e'en Ilmarinen, laid the gold upon the anvil, worked the bellows on the silver, and he forged the plough he needed. And he forged him shoes of iron, greaves of steel he next constructed, and with these his feet he covered, those upon his shins he fastened, and he donned an iron mail-coat. With a belt of steel he girt him, took a pair of iron gauntlets, gauntlets like to stone for hardness. Then he chose a horse of metal, and he yoked the steeds so noble, and he went to plough the acre and the open field to furrow. There he saw the heads all rearing, 
saw the heads that hissed unceasing and he spoke the words which follow o thou snake whom god created you who lift your head so proudly who is friendly and will hearken rearing up your head so proudly and your neck so proudly lifting from my path at once remove you creep thou wretch among the stubble creeping down among the bushes or where greenest grass is growing if you lift your head from out it ukko then your head shall shatter with his sharp and steel-tipped arrows with a mighty hail of iron then he ploughed the field of vipers furrowed all the land of serpents from the furrows raised the vipers drove the serpents all before him and he said returning homeward i have ploughed the field of vipers furrowed all the land of serpents driven before me all the serpents will you give me now your daughter and unite me with my darling then did pohjola's old mistress answer in the words which follow i will only give the maiden and unite you with my daughter if you catch the bear of tuoni bridle to the wolf of mana far in tuonela's great forest in the distant realms of mana hundreds have gone forth to yoke them never one returned in safety then the smith e'en ilmarinen sought the maiden in her chamber and he spoke the words which follow now the task is laid upon me manala's fierce wolves to bridle and to hunt the bears of tuoni far in tuonela's great forest in the distant realms of mana then his bride assistance lent him and advice the maiden gave him o thou smith o ilmarinen thou the great primeval craftsman forge thee bits of steel the hardest forge thee muzzles wrought of iron sitting on a rock in water where the cataracts fall all foaming hunt thou then the bears of tuoni and the wolves of mana bridle then the smith e'en ilmarinen he the great primeval craftsman forged him bits of steel the hardest forged him muzzles wrought of iron sitting on a rock in water where the cataracts fall all foaming and he went the beasts to fetter and he spoke the words which follow terhenetar cloudland's daughter with a cloud sieve sift thou quickly and disperse thy mists around me where the beasts i seek are lurking that they may not hear me moving that they may not flee before me then the wolf's great jaws he muzzled and with iron the bear he fettered on the barren heaths of tuoni in the blue depths of the forest and he said returning homeward give me now your daughter old one here i bring the bear of tuoni and the wolf of mana muzzled then did pohjola's old mistress answer in the words which follow i will give you first the duckling and the blue-winged duck will give you when the pike so huge and scaly he the fish so plump and floundering you shall bring from tuoni's river and from manala's abysses but without a net to lift it using not a hand to grasp it hundreds have gone forth to seek it never one returned in safety then there came distress upon him and affliction overwhelmed him as he sought the maiden's chamber and he spoke the words which follow now a task is laid upon me greater still than all the former for the pike so huge and scaly he the fish so plump and floundering i must bring from tuoni's river from the eternal stream of mana but with neither snare nor dragnet nor with help of other tackle then his bride assistance lent him and advice the maiden gave him o thou smith o ilmarinen do thou not be so despondent 
Forge thee now a fiery eagle, Forge a bird of fire all flaming. This the mighty pike shall capture, Drag the fish so plump and floundering From the murky stream of Tuoni And from Manala's abysses. Then the smith in Ilmarinen, Deathless artist of the smithy, Forged himself a fiery eagle, Forged a bird of fire all flaming, And of iron he forged the talons, Forged the claws of steel the hardest, wings like sides of boat constructed then upon the wings he mounted on the eagle's back he sat him on the wing bones of the eagle then he spoke unto the eagle and the mighty bird instructed o my eagle bird i fashioned fly thou forth where i shall order to the turbid stream of tuoni into manala's abysses seize the pike so huge and scaly he the fish so plump and floundering then the bird that noble eagle took his flight and upward soarings forth he flew the pike to capture fish with teeth of size terrific in the river depths of tuoni down in manala's abysses to the water stretched a pinion and the other touched the heavens in the sea he dipped his talons on the cliffs his beak he wetted thus the smith e'en ilmarinen journeyed forth to seek his booty in the depths of tuoni's river while the eagle watched beside him from the water rose a kelpie and it clutched at ilmarinen by the neck the eagle seized it and the kelpie's head he twisted to the bottom down he forced it to the black mud at the bottom then came forth a pike of tuoni and the water-dog came onward not a small pike of the smallest nor a large pike of the largest long his tongue as twain of axe-shafts long his teeth as rake-shaft measures wide his gorge as three great rivers seven boats length his back extended and the smith he sought to seize on and to swallow ilmarinen but the eagle rushed against him and the bird of air attacked him not an eagle of the small ones nor an eagle of the large ones long his beak as hundred fathoms wide his gorge as six great rivers six spears length his tongue extended five scythes length his talons measured and he saw the pike so scaly saw the fish so plump and floundering fiercely on the fish he darted rushed against the fish so scaly then the pike so large and scaly he the fish so plump and floundering tried to drag the eagle's pinions underneath the sparkling waters but the eagle swift ascended up into the air he raised him from the grimy ooze he raised him to the sparkling water o'er it back and forth the eagle hovered and again he made an effort and he struck one talon fiercely in the pike's terrific shoulders in the water-dog's great backbone and he fixed the other talon firmly in the steel-hard mountain in the rocks as hard as iron from the stone slipped off the talon slipped from off the rocky mountain and the pike again dived downward in the water slid the monster slipped from off the eagle's talons from the great bird's claws terrific but his sides were scored most deeply and his shoulders cleft asunder once again with iron talons swooped again the furious eagle with his wings all fiery glowing and his eyes like flame that sparkled seized the pike with mighty talons grasped the water-dog securely dragged the huge and scaly monster raised him from the tossing water from the depths beneath the billows to the water's sparkling surface then the bird with claws of iron made a third and final effort brought the mighty pike of tuoni 
he the fish so plump and floundering from the river dark of tuoni and from manala's abysses scarce like water flowed the water from the great pike's scales stupendous nor like air the air extended when the great bird flapped his pinions thus the iron-taloned eagle bore the pike so huge and scaly to the branches of an oak tree to a pine-tree's crown wide-spreading there he feasted on the booty open ripped the fish's belly tore away the fish's breastbone and the head and neck he sundered said the smith said ilmarinen o thou wicked wicked eagle what a faithless bird i find you you have seized upon the quarry and you have feasted on the booty open ripped the fish's belly torn away the fish's breastbone and the head and neck have sundered but the iron taloned eagle rose and soared away in fury high aloft in air he raised him to the borders of the cloudland fled the clouds the heavens were thundering and the props of air bowed downward ukko's bow in twain was broken in the moon the horns sharp pointed then the smith e'en ilmarinen took the pike's head which he carried to the old crone as a present and he spoke the words which follow make of this a chair forever in the halls of lofty poya then he spoke the words which follow and in words like these expressed him i have ploughed the field of serpents furrowed all the land of serpents bridled too the wolves of mana and have chained the bears of tuoni brought the pike so huge and scaly he the fish so plump and floundering from the river deep of tuoni and from manala's abysses will you give me now the maiden and bestow your daughter on me then said pohjola's old mistress badly have you done your errand thus the head in twain to sever open rip the fish's belly tear away the fish's breastbone feasting thus upon the booty then the smith e'en ilmarinen answered in the words that follow never can you bring undamaged quarry from the best of regions this is brought from tuoni's river and from manala's abysses is not yet the maiden ready she for whom i longed and laboured then did pohjola's old mistress answer in the words which follow yes the maiden now is ready she for whom you longed and laboured i will give my tender duckling and prepare the duck i cherished for the smith for ilmarinen at his side to sit forever on his knee as wife to seat her dove-like in his arms to nestle on the floor a child was sitting on the floor a child was singing to our room there came already came a bird into our castle from the northeast flew an eagle through the sky a hawk came flying in the air one wing was flapping on the sea the other rested with his tail he swept the ocean and to heaven his head he lifted and he gazed around and turned him back and forth the eagle hovered perched upon the hero's castle and his beak he wetted on it but the roof was formed of iron and he could not pierce within it so he gazed around and turned him back and forth the eagle hovered perched upon the women's castle and his beak he wetted on it but the roof was formed of copper and he could not pierce within it so he gazed around and turned him back and forth the eagle hovered perched upon the maiden's castle and his beak he wetted on it and the roof was formed of linen and he forced his way within it then he perched upon the chimney then upon the floor descended pushed aside the castle's shutter sat him at the castle window near the wall all green his feathers in the room his plumes a hundred then he scanned the braidless maidens gazing on the long-haired maiden 
on the best of all the maidens fairest maid with hair unbraided and her hair with beads was shining and her head with beauteous blossoms in his claws the eagle seized her and the hawk with talons grasped her seized the best of all the party of the flock of ducks the fairest she the sweetest voiced and tenderest she the rosiest and the whitest she the bird of air selected in his talons far he bore her she who held her head the highest and her form of all the shapeliest and her feathers of the finest and her plumage of the softest then did pohjola's old mistress answer in the words that follow wherefore dost thou know my darling or hast heard my golden apple how the maiden grew amongst us and her flaxen hair waved round her perhaps the maiden shone with silver or the maiden's gold was famous has our sun been shining on you or the moon afar been shining from the floor the child made answer and the growing child responded therefore did your darling know it and your fossling learned to know it in the far-famed maiden's dwelling in the room where dwells the fair one good report rejoiced the father when he launched his largest vessel but rejoices more the mother when the largest loaf is baking and the wheaten bread is baking that the guests may feast profusely thus it was your darling knew it far around the strangers knew it how the young maid grew in stature and how tall grew up the maiden once i went into the courtyard and i wandered to the storehouse very early in the morning in the earliest morning hours and the soot and streaks ascended and the smoke and clouds rose upward from the far-famed maiden's dwelling from the blooming maiden's homestead and the maid herself was grinding busy working at the handmill rung the mill like call of cuckoo and the pestle quacked like wild geese and the sieve like bird was singing and the stones like bees were rattling forth a second time i wandered and into the field i wandered in the meadow was the maiden stooping o'er the yellow heather working at the red-stained dye-pots boiling up the yellow kettles when i wandered forth a third time sat the maid beneath the window there i heard the maiden weaving in her hands the comb was sounding and i heard the shuttle flying as in cleft of rock the ermine and the comb-teeth heard i sounding as the wooden shaft was moving and the weaver's beam was turning like a squirrel in the tree-tops then did pohjola's old mistress answer in the words which follow bravo bravo dearest maiden have i not forever told thee not to sing among the pine-trees not to sing amid the valleys not to arch thy neck too proudly nor thy white arms leave uncovered nor thy young and beauteous bosom nor thy shape so round and graceful i have warned thee all the autumn and besought thee all the summer likewise in the spring have cautioned at the second springtide sowing to construct a secret dwelling with the windows small and hidden where the maids may do their weaving and may work their looms in safety all unheard by swomi's gallants swomi's gallants country lovers from the floor the child made answer and the fortnight old responded easily a horse is hidden in the stall with fine-tailed horses hard it is to hide a maiden and to keep her long locks hidden though you build of stone a castle and amid the sea shall rear it though you keep your maidens in it and should rear your darlings in it still the girls cannot be hidden nor attain their perfect stature undisturbed by lusty gallants lusty gallants country lovers mighty men with lofty helmets men who shoe with steel their horses 
Then the aged Vinamoinen, head bowed down and deeply grieving, wandered on his journey homeward, and he spoke the words which follow, Woe is me, a wretched creature, that I did not learn it sooner, that in youthful days one weddeth, and must choose a life companion, all thing else a man may grieve for, save indeed in early marriage, when in youth already children and a household he must care for. Thus did warn old Vinamoinen, caution that Suvantolainen, that old men against the younger should not struggle for a fair one, warn them not to swim too proudly, neither try to race in rowing, nor to seek to woo a maiden with a younger man contending. End of Runo 19 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine